are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here with Mark Willard this week because Joe Shasky is on vacation, a much needed vacation for Mr. Shasky. So glad to have Mark back. Who, uh, Mark, you were on this podcast last year and it feels like old times again. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to be back and uh, I've been watching and um, and uh, I've had enough of Shasky's takes. So I'm here to straighten everybody out. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> what a fun time of year to talk about this, right? The deadline just happened. So uh, no, th- thanks for uh, letting me crash the party. Of course, you know, we, we do a little platooning here on this podcast That's too right. as well so i'm right handed uh this is episode 69 of the podcast usually we'd be like oh that's that's pretty nice what was not nice was uh giants twitter yesterday mm. but uh if you want a little fun factoid uh mark did you know that aj pollock had 69 rbis for the dodgers back in 2021 um, I would not have had that stat, but that that does make it nice and clean, doesn't it? Episode 69, he almost had uh, an RBI or two with his uh, very first at bat as a Giant. Be honest with me. Did you think it was gone? I I'll thought be it was honest, gone. I thought A.J. Pollock's at bat was just so emblematic of all the emotions exactly. that Giants fans felt yesterday. There was just such a tease that you thought something's going to happen. And then you get a, crush, a, a crushing return back to reality. Yep. And uh, another historical first for this podcast. This is the first time that Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys has been recorded with both hosts in the same area. Um, in the same room right now. In the now. same room, yeah. you can't necessarily tell on the camera, but, uh, but yes, I'm sitting right next to you. Yeah. And uh, it does make it easier to talk to people. It kind of does, yeah. You know, like I know we all learned in the pandemic how to do this without being in the same room. But uh, but hi, Sam. It's good to see you. It is. Yeah, it's cool. It's, well, it's like, oh, do I look? at you or I got to look at the camera here. This is going to be a fun little back and forth here. So anyway, um, I want to start off. Let's just get right into just what happened yesterday. One of the more emotional days, I think, for Giants fans in a long time. First off, we're waiting all day long for Farhan to do something, and I feel like there were two camps. There was the, why isn't Farhan doing anything camp? And then there was the, relax, you know he's going to do something right at the end of the deadline. Nothing ends up happening, and it became apparent, Mark, you and I, we, we lived through the Belt Wars. Hmm. I think we're now in the middle of the Farhan Wars, and those are going to definitely eclipse the well, Belt Wars. Yeah, no doubt. But I, I also think, um, are we in the middle of them, or are we just now in Chapter 7 of them? In other words, like they always get stirred back up. The difference is, is I think this is the first time it's been stirred up when the Giants have a significant winning record. Um, the Giants have the third best record in the National League. Only mm-hmm. the Dodgers and the Braves are ahead of them, and the Dodgers are barely ahead of them. And I would have thought that at a time like that, you get more positivity. Now, I was in the camp of he's definitely going to do something. I did not think it was going to be splashy, um, but I was surprised that he did absolutely nothing. But having now a night to sleep on it, listen to what he said. I am one of those people that is going to actually listen to what is said. I am going to take it at face value. I was bummed that something didn't happen. My question would be, were the guys bummed that something didn't happen? Does the team feel like this was kind of a a lack of confidence in their ability? But my big takeaway in, in looking at it now is there just wasn't crap available. Yeah, I really believe that. I, I, if there was a team that I was looking at right now and I'm like kind of jealous with, with what they did, I'd feel differently, but I'm not. 
I, I don't even buy this idea of, well, the Dodgers went and got better. No, they didn't. They made moves. They made moves for negative war players. They're, they, they just... So, Verlander and Eduardo Rodriguez, quite frankly, from the beginning, are two of the only pitchers that I was even interested in. I think the Giants were in those conversations. They both had no trade clauses. Farhan indicated, we know Rodriguez didn't want to come west. He turned down the Dodgers. And Verlander, uh, from what we're now hearing... He conducted his trade to the Astros. That's where he wanted to go. If that's the case, I don't know if you can look at any of these teams and get mad at them. Uh, I don't want the Giants giving up prospects for replacement-level players. That's who they have now. So mm-hmm. if you need a replacement-level starter, <laughs> Giants have about five of them. Um, and so is it comforting? No. But there just wasn't anything available. Yeah, and I think I mean, to the to the impatient uh, lunatic fringe aspect, you know, uh, uh, segment of the Giants fan base. That's obviously not going to sit well with them. Uh, two things I want to highlight: what you just said there. First off, what the Dodgers did, uh, Mark. What if I told you that based off of WAR, the Giants actually got better at the deadline than the Dodgers? It doesn't doesn't surprise me at all. When you look at the war that was added, this isn't really a good thing. The Giants added technically 0.8 more war at the deadline than the Dodgers. Uh, Between Pollock and Mark Mathias, they combined for negative 0.6 war. The Dodgers haul of Kike Hernandez, Joe Kelly, Ryan Yarbrough, Lance Lynn, and and, uh, Ahmed Rosario, that is uh, negative 1.4 war. So... If you play with the war, if you play with the numbers, you could almost talk yourself into saying the Giants got better than the Dodgers. The other thing, though, that I really want to focus on is what you said is, were the guys bummed out? I really kind of subscribe to the belief that if a team shows that it is you know, worthy, uh, if the team shows the desire and it shows that it is worthy of making a playoff run, that it is good enough to make a playoff run, then the general manager has to reward that team. I see these guys play. You look at that game last night. They go down 3 nothing. Alex uh, Cobb guts it through a stomach bug, yep. allows three runs. I think he snapped like a 22-inning scoreless streak last night, which I, I totally didn't even realize that that was happening. And then you see that team come back. Sable starts it off. Matos keeps it going. And who got those guys up here? Uh, Brandon Crawford obviously ties it up. Lamont Wade gives him the lead. And then Bailey ends it emphatically by nailing Perdomo at first base. Man, who drafted that guy? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get to that all later. But this is a team. They, they gut out these wins. You know, uh, you know Gabe Kapler, used the, or Jock actually came up with this where Jock Peterson called them grindy. And this really is a team. They grind out these yeah. wins. The heart is there. These guys truly play hard for each other. You go in that clubhouse, these guys truly enjoy being around each other. This is a team that I thought has played so hard, maybe above their heads all year long. But at the same time, if they are playing above their heads, at the deadline, you are the number one wild card team. That tells me that this is a team that should be taken seriously, maybe not as a World Series contender, but as a team that deserves to be in the playoff race. And when you don't make moves like that, yeah, I do feel like there is something deflating about that. Like, we put in the work. Like, the players are probably might be thinking, we put in this work, shouldn't we get rewarded for that? It's interesting because I would still uh, respond to that by saying, okay, are you now asking the team to make a move just for the sake of making a move? Um, just for the sake of saying something nice to the clubhouse. At the same time, if you do acquire someone, that means someone in that clubhouse is losing their job or losing their time. You know, Marco Luciano got sent down yesterday, and I know we'll get to that. Um, I I can't speak to uh, whether or not the players were disappointed um, that, that no one came in. I didn't see anyone offensively mm-hmm. that's really, really going to help the team. A couple of weeks ago, I was interested in the idea of Tim Anderson. 
I would bet that this team would respond to that and say, we'll take Tyro Estrada instead of Tim Anderson. If we want an up-the-middle player, we are acquiring someone. Yes, it's just getting our own guy back. But that is, quite frankly, the best offensive player that the Giants could acquire. So I'm with you in, in a normal deadline. I think you need to send that message to your club. And if there was a player out there that made me jealous that someone else acquired, you know, Tim Anderson didn't even end up getting moved. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like I I would buy into it, but I think this this was a bad deadline. I think it was a dead deadline. I think it was a dud. I and and there's no reason to make a move just so that you can say you made a move. Yeah, I mean, if you say you know guys who I'd be jealous of, if I had to pick someone who I was like, man, I really wish you could have made that one happen. Well, first off, last week on the podcast, my genius idea to fix the Giants was go out get Justin Verlander, take on his entire contract, and see if that would lessen the prospect load. There was obviously financial reasons that would have prevented the Giants from doing that, but I don't really care about their financial reasons. I'm willing to spend their money. Uh, my other uh, genius move was Lucas Giolito and Tim Anderson. I would have liked Giolito. I think he's a guy who, again, maybe with a tweak or two, maybe he could have helped this team down the stretch. Tim Anderson was another one where it's just like it seemed like if he could just elevate a swing a little bit, he could maybe lower that ground ball rate, get back and being that more line drive hitter that we know him to be. But as you said, you know, Verlander, it was never going to happen. Giolito, the Angels just pounced on him a little bit faster than the Giants did, and Anderson didn't get moved. So I won't sweat it on it too much, but there's something said about you know making these moves. Uh, I saw someone on Twitter uh, tweeting about um, someone, I think they're a host here at this station, maybe they do one of the morning shows here, tweeting about <laughs> Farhan, uh, sorry, I got a shout out, Joe Shasky there, <laughs> tweeting about Farhan's lack of bold moves. Yeah. Is there some argument to be made there that, you know, the desire for more bold moves from Farhan, is that is that a valid argument in your opinion, Mark? Um, no, it's not. It's not. And, Why do you say and, that? And, like two things. Let me first answer just real quick the Giolito thing. The Angels give up their second and third best prospect mm-hmm. for a rental. Well, they're that's stupid. Yeah, they're, and their number two was like number sixty-five overall. Maybe I they don't, don't have a great farm system. Yeah. But the bottom line is they gave up their best guys for two rentals. And we know why they're doing it. They're mm-hmm. doing that because they're pushing all their cards into the middle of the table to tell Shohei we can win here. That's why they're doing it. But it's bad business, and it's probably going to be a bad move. Farhan said yesterday he can't stand it when you give up good prospects for players who come in and then three months later are wearing a different jersey. Yeah, and that's going to be and that's I'm with him GM, on that. really. Yeah, I'm with him on that. The rental market is different now, and and you should not buy high on the rental market. Now, your other question, is it fair to say that Farhan won't swing big? I called them risk-averse when the Carlos Correa thing happened, but then as you watch the Mets end up making the same decision and now have the perspective of Correa hitting 228 for over 100 games, yeah, you re- you rethink it a little bit, and I go, okay, is he actually afraid to make the big move? I'm not one of these people that thinks they finish second on the free agent market on purpose. Mm-hmm. So what I know is... Three times they have gone north of $300 million that we know of for a player on so free agent market. Harper, Bryce Judge, Harper, and Correa. Judge, yeah. and Correa. We know um, that, that you know they've, they've been in other 
high leverage conversations in free agency. We know that they acquired when the last time they were good, they acquired a name like Chris Bryant mm-hmm. that, and, and, and lost two prospects and then lost him in the offseason. And they went for it. And that was a big swing. So when you swing big, just like in the actual game itself, you also strike out a lot. Yeah. And, and so just because there have been strikeouts, I, we can argue that point, whether or not that's the problem area. But to say that they lack the, the ability to even swing big, I think has been proven incorrectly. And I think that six months from now, they will be having a $600 million meeting with Shohei Otani and they'll swing big on that too. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I, I, I agree with you somewhat there on, on the bold moves. I do. I would like to see more initiative on some moves that that being made. Again, this deadline I think was a bad deadline mm-hmm. to expect that to happen. Uh, I mean, you look at your top five prospects right now: Kyle Harrison, Mark Luciano, uh, Wisenhut, McCray, Von Brown. Luis Matos not considered a prospect anymore. He's been up fact. too long. He's been up too yeah, long now. Same with Bailey. I'm not giving up on. I'm not giving any of those five guys away. Um, the next five got Iverson, Arteaga, uh, Reggie Crawford, Mason Black, Eric Silva, Landon Roop. I don't know, or Raup, I don't know, I even know how to say his last name. That's how known he is. Right. I don't know if those guys are really moving the needle in these trades that the Giants want to make. Like, you know, we're talking about, you know, Paul DeYoung was a guy who came up yesterday. Are we really, you know, wanting to move, you know, Reggie Crawford for Paul for two months of Paul no, DeYoung? It's no. like that's not going to hold up there. But as regards to, you know, Farhan never makes bold moves. I see it differently. He will make the bold move when a bold move is necessary. You look at 2021, he moved uh, – uh, uh, Space on them, Caleb Killian, and uh, who is the other guy? The other guy's name doesn't really matter. Because oh, Canario. Canario yeah, and Caleb yeah, Killian. Yeah. For, for, we're, for, we're never going to hear from those guys Bryant. ever again, most likely. That was a bold move. That was Farhan adapting to the situation and making the move that needed to be made. Another move that I think, I don't know if it's necessarily a bold move, but it's a move that I think we definitely need to give him more you know, flowers for. It's that Mark Melanson trade oh back in God. 2019. He not only got, got off the entire contract, Brought Beck in. Beck has become a very useful key of this bullpen right now. And that's a deal that probably looks a lot better if 2020 is a normal season. But he got off the contract, getting a player back. And the way he did it, you know, he just kind of stood there and said, this is the deal we want and this is the deal you, you will accept. And that's how he got it done. I mean, the Darren Ruff deal last year, also a brilliant deal. Like, I, 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 I look at it this way. Um, it's really a matter of whether you accept Farhan for, for who he is and what he does or not. And if you don't, that's fine. As a fan, you're completely welcome to do that. But what I appreciate about him is he is resolute. So mm-hmm. is Gabe Kapler. This group does what they do, and they will not blink. And so the way that they look at a deal is, is this a good deal? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, we're, we, we, you know, we're not doing it. We're not doing it to placate the fans. Like, they will not do that. And I actually appreciate that because not always, but more often than not, they've been proven correct with the decisions that they've made. Look, we, we tore And now everyone's like, oops, you guys, you guys mm-hmm. were right. Carlos and Rodon, another one. Carlos we all wanted Rodon, him back. You can, you can yell about Gosman all you want. And right now, two years in, it looks like they made a mistake. You can look at Di Sclafani, La Stella. Yeah, every team, no matter the sport, you're going to have misses. They have more makes than, than they have misses. And Farhan Zaidi is not going to make a deal unless he feels like it is a, a, a deal in that moment that makes sense 
good business sense for the San Francisco Giants. I, I would give up some of these prospects. I absolutely would give Paul DeYoung? No, yeah, not Who for cares? him. Who cares? Yeah. Why are we... See, that? the group that wants Paul DeYoung is the group that's just like, you got to make a move because we're supposed to make a move. Exactly. He's hitting 230. I don't care about Paul DeYoung. You've got Tyro coming back. You've got Crawford. You've got young guys. And up to be middle. honest, I never bought that they needed infield help. Uh, I know, the, again, with Estrada injured, it, it looked like they did. They called up Luciano, which I really like that they did that, and sending him back down, we can get to that later yeah, on as sure. well. But I never really took seriously the, the need for infield help it was always pitching was what they really really needed I agree and I that. am concerned about the pitching staff right now just holding up down the stretch I don't I worry that their bullpenning strategy could eventually catch up to them so and we can get to that again in a second too but that's the it's just none of the pitchers it seemed like again I always wanted Marcus Stroman too that was another one who I really wanted he would have been really expensive super prospect expensive. wise but he in also but, financially he would have kind of put the Giants over the CBT line as well but he's a dog like see yeah. that's you know what I mean that's what I mean on these yeah is this really a player you want or did you just want news I think Stroman's you know a guy I mean? he's a very good ground ball pitcher he's a very athletic pitcher I remember it was a couple years ago when he was on the Mets there was a little dribbler down the third base line he went and grabbed it and kind did the Derek Jeter turn and throw to first. One of the most athletic plays I've ever seen by a pitcher. He's a guy who for the next two, three, four years, if they could have extended him, I could have seen being a very useful part of this rotation. But it also didn't help to the Cubs. Where, you know, the other team has to want to trade the guy as well. well yeah, and they, I'm not sure the Cubs wanted to move Marcus Stroman. They became if buyers. Been, yeah, they basically yeah, became buyers. They, they added Jimer Condelario, right. uh, who's been a stud on my fantasy baseball team. <laughs> so that's that kind of <laughs> ends that there. So yeah, I understand the desire for bold moves, but you can't make a, a bold move just to make the bold I, move. I don't think there was a bold move out there. There mm-hmm. are two pitchers, essentially, because Scherzer, that was, that was kind of a non-starter with his age contract. He's not pitching nearly as well anymore either. His ERA is a run and a half higher than it was a year ago. I think they were in on Verlander and Rodriguez. Those are bold moves. Both of them invoked no trade clauses. So what is it that they were out there to do? You know what I mean? Like I just, and, and you know, your thought on the middle infield thing, yeah, they kind of needed help. And then we got to the deadline, and then they didn't need help yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's, it's kind of solving itself. And, and, and so they, they, they navigated that storm. I am open to the acquisition that they needed to make being Kyle Harrison. I am yeah. open to that. We'll and, and, and if that crashes and burns, then 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 yeah, they need another starter. <laughs> but right now, that might be the best one. I agree with you. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman and Mark Willard this week filling in for Joe Shasky, platooning for Joe Shasky this week. Uh, make sure you're listening, rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling people about it, sharing it. Uh, part of the Odyssey Sports Network here at 95.7 The Game. So the deadline coming past. There's two months left in the season, Mark, and seems like the Giants are kind of an interesting spot. So every year, you know, I remember asking Farhan last year, you know, how do you close the gap on the Dodgers? And one of the things he said, you know, they set the standard, and also the playoffs are always the standard and the expectation for the Giants. Now, it's kind of hard. Now, if the playoffs are the expectation, then I feel like then they would have made a move to kind of come through on that expectation. They did not. Is it still, you know, kind of crazy to look at this roster as is right now and think, yes, this is a team that should be in the playoffs. Not not make a run, but when the season ends, they are one of the final six teams still playing in the National League. I'm gonna answer this one real weird. It depends on which part of your brain you want to access. If I look at this and I look at their roster, should we expect the playoffs? Nope. Nope. But have we not learned that that's not how Giants baseball under this regime works. Mm-hmm. 
So clearly, and I have said this now a number of times, last year was the outlier. Last year was the outlier. We have spent too much time calling the 107 wins the year before fluky. And I'll admit that it was kind of like it was steroided up because of some good breaks, no Mm -hmm. question. I don't think they were a 107-win team. But I don't think last year's group was an 81-win team. I think that this year you're seeing probably more about like what par-level baseball is. There's the happy medium between the two seasons. But you can't make sense of it. Like, if I look at them right now and go, why are you 59 and 49? You have one of the worst offenses in the league over the last month. You have two starting pitchers. You have a really good bullpen, and I've always thought that was kind of like the offensive line of a baseball team. That's the heartbeat Mm -hmm. of a baseball team. And so that's one answer. But if I want to look at this on paper, should they be a playoff team? No, but I don't look at it on paper anymore because that's not how baseball works. Uh, This group has proven that they will squeeze the orange. They will get more out of it than you see on paper. So do I think that this could be, should be a playoff team? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've they've been in that spot for the majority of the year. And and, and what you're really asking yourself is, A, could they win the West? I'd say probably not, but they could. And if they don't, then who do they need to beat out? Um, You're obviously going to have three division winners, then there's going to be three wildcard teams that's going to be either uh, the Brewers or the Reds. And then you're dealing with Philadelphia. You're dealing with the Diamondbacks. You're dealing with maybe the Cubs, maybe, maybe the, the Marlins. Marlins. Who do you believe in out of that group? Do you believe they're one of the three best? To me, absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely, absolutely think they're one of the three best out of that group. The way I see it going forward, I feel like we kind of have one of two possible paths before us. There's the, the, the good path where, I mean, you look at this, Take a quick step back. You look at this schedule here in August. It is the Giants basically have an asteroid field that they need to navigate through. And, you know, you got after the A's, you got, you know, the Angels, you got and the Rangers coming to town. Uh, Then you go. Then you got to host the Rays. Go to Atlanta in the middle of August. It's going to be hot and humid there. Philly after that. That'll be a tough series. Come home to host the Braves. And then the Reds come to town. Yeah, like I said, this is an asteroid field that the Giants have to navigate through, and they got about a 3,720 to 1 chance of navigating it through it. Shout out Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon. But if they do somehow navigate through this next month of August and they're still somehow in playoff contention, oh, it's on. Yeah. Like it is on in September. Well, That's option number one. Option number two. This schedule at this next month absolutely pulverizes the snot out of this team. They can't hit. The bullpen falls apart. And come, you know, when the Reds come to town, this team is maybe at 500, below 500, out of the playoff race. At that point, Marco Luciano is going to be in the lineup every day. You're going to be seeing a lot of more Luis Matos. Maybe even Helio Ramos makes an appearance. Kyle Harrison's probably going to start getting a little bit more run. If the Giants are not in contention come September, we're going to be seeing all the young guys taking the field. And so the way I see it, it kind of sets up a win-win situation for the Giants. On the one hand, you make a playoff run. We all love playoff runs. On the other hand, you get your future setting yourself up going into 2024, which right now is setting up to be a massive step-forward season for the Giants. I'm going to look at this a little bit differently than you. First of all, I think those young guys are already getting experience, and one way or another, they are going to be up, even if the mm-hmm. Giants are winning. I would, I would tell you right now, I'd be shocked if Kyle Harrison is is not on the major league roster. Uh, what's today? August second. Yeah, I'm gonna give it three weeks. Yeah, well, three I guess- weeks. I bet. I bet he's up. Luciano's gonna be back. 
Um, he's going to be back, and I think he's going to be back pretty soon. But I'm going to put a lot more importance than it sounds like maybe you are on them making the playoffs this year. And and there's one reason and one reason only. Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I, I agree with you on that I don't. I don't think the Giants, I don't think they're, to me, there's no silver lining to a September of Luciano Harrison, Matos Schmidt, let's check out the young guys and get excited about the future. I think this team has got to make the playoffs if they want to have a legitimate meeting with Shohei Otani. No, I absolutely agree with you with that. And I I do hope they do make that playoff run. I Going into the season, my expectation was just make me feel better about this team at the end of the year than the beginning. But then they, I feel like they kind of outed themselves in May as a team that was good enough to make the playoffs. So it's like, oh, well, if you're going to play like a playoff team, well, now my expectations have changed. I want to see you make the playoffs. And I think it would be a disappointment if this team does not make the playoffs. And I think that would be a demerit on Farhan's record if this team does not make the playoffs. That said, yeah, I agree. You do want to make yourself look attractive for Shohei Otani. I liken this team to uh, the the 2018-2019 Clippers that the Warriors beat in the first round. Uh. I look at that Clippers team and they were basically a supporting cast with you know room for two superstars. That's basically how I look at this Giants team. This is a supporting cast that just needs a superstar to you know kind of be that cherry on top. And if this group of players can make that run to the playoffs, and if they do that while keeping the pitching staff healthy, with, healthy, which if they do do that, then it's official. Gabe Kapler and his coaching staff are mad scientists if they can keep this pitching staff afloat the entire way. But yeah, if you do do that, you look like a supporting cast that just needs a superstar. Shohei Otani, he's looking at the supporting cast and saying, hmm, that's a supporting cast I think I might be able to join. Well, again, I, I, it's really hard to sort of quantify what we're watching with this team, but... Um, I I guess I can only define it this way. Over the last three years, um, the the sum of the parts is greater than the individuals. So when we look at this and go, it's a starless team, it needs a superstar, I, I, I agree, although the need for a superstar is more about fan connection and engagement, excitement, and yes, a middle of the order presence, but it's more about that than it is, you know, wins and losses. Um, they win more games than they lose. Mm-hmm. And the players may not have name value, but if I go deep into Lamont Wade's numbers, for example, they do sit right next to guys who do have name value. So, mm-hmm. And I think that's the way the Giants have always looked at it. They're looking at players where they're like, just take the name off the back of the jersey. If you blindly look at OPS... Um, especially if they've got a platoon somewhere and they're like, the OPS of these two players, remember in 2021, the OPS of Austin Slater plus um, uh, Yaz, I think it was, the, that OPS equaled Mookie Betts. Yeah. And, 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 and so that's, I know it's not an exciting way to look at it, but that's why the sum of the parts are better than the individuals. So I, I like they've got that has to keep working. No, Whatever I agree the with fa- you. Whatever the formula is, it has to keep working. It has to be something that Shohei Otani uh, decides is uh, is a good fit for him. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, the the platoon. We 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 played a game on this on this podcast a couple weeks ago called "If It's Stupid and It Works." If it is, it still stupid. And I pointed out the platoon system. I think Yaz and Slater is a really good example of that. Uh, the way they've been platooning Jock and Wilmer at uh, DH has been working there. I do understand the the 
kind of exasperation just how fans are kind of fed up with the platoon system and that's why i say you know if we do kind of see more of the young guys in like you did mention the young guys are getting their run but if i'm going to see the young guys get their run then that means when it's you know late in the game and the giants are down by one and marco luciano's coming up and there's a righty on the mound i want luciano to take that at bat and not jock peterson but why well, because well, the reason you're going to bat Jock Peterson in that situation is because you're trying to win a baseball game. Jock is better at hitting righties than Luciano is. Right. So the goal is to. But if it gets to the point where it's just like the playoffs just don't seem realistic anymore, that's what I'm saying. I want I want keep status quo for now. But if it gets yeah. to the point, like I said, in September, if August just kind of totally decimates the Giants and it's just we're all feeling kind of down on ourselves when the Reds come to town. At that point, I don't need to see Jock take that late at bat in a close game. Let Luciano get his run there. You know, let Lu, uh, uh, Luis Matos get more at bats against righties down the stretch, assuming the Giants aren't out of it. As right. long as the Giants are in the playoff hunt, realistically, then yeah, I am cool with making those moves. Sure. But That's the, I if mean, the playoffs aren't an ex- if aren't a realistic expectation anymore and winning baseball games is kind of become secondary, then at that point, load all the rookies at the top of the lineup, of course, get them as many at-bats as possible, and don't platoon them anymore. Of course, of course, but we're not there. And that's why the reaction to that the other night when Luciano got benched for Jock Peterson was, and I get that the excitement in you goes down. Mm -hmm. And that's frustrating, but it's a ludicrous kind of reaction to be upset by that. Because what Gabe Kapler is trying to do is win a baseball game in a playoff race. Mm -hmm. It's in many ways is the debate that everyone's been having with the 49ers. Okay, would you want if the 49ers, let's call them, uh, let's say they're 10 and six and it's the final week of the season and they need to win a football game and it's the fourth quarter, right? And uh, they're sitting there going, well, uh, we've used Brock Purdy all year, um, but uh, I know you're excited to see Trey Lance. So for this final drive to try to make the playoffs, we're going to put in Trey Lance because I know all of you want to see him. You, you, we would rip Kyle Shanahan if he yeah, did that. You that's not how do it works. That. You don't leave Marco Luciano in because the fans are excited to see him at bat. You make the move that gives you the best chance to win a baseball game. No, I agree with you, and that's kind of why I prefaced it with you. Know, you, you basically kind of have your like two outcomes that we could possibly see here. Outcome one is this team goes on a run, and yeah, we do do exactly what you just kind of said. Luciano's going to be pinch hit for late in games if we're trying to make the playoffs. But again, if once the playoffs are off the table. Then yeah, you jump into it. So with all that being said, here before we wrap up the segment, whatever you want to define as a success for this season, well, I guess I don't know. How would you define how for at least last two months here? What needs to happen for you to say 2024 was, or sorry, 2023 was a successful season for the Giants? Or maybe you're already feeling like you're there. Like no, I'm definitely not there. Okay. Make, make the playoffs. So you make, think playoffs is the – like, in order to be playoffs. successful, this has to be a playoff season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the opportunity is there. Um, I think that as we sit here today, the health that is necessary is about to be here. Um, you've already indoctrinated the young guys in in a way that I think is very, very helpful for the future. But I, I will reiterate what I just said, which is that the Giants – I know a lot of people think it's a pipe dream. I don't. Um, I, Shohei Otani once upon a time picked the Angels. Why is it ridiculous that he would pick the Giants? We know he wants to be on the West Coast. Uh, maybe he does not want to be one of 
eight stars in the lineup with the Dodgers or who, so. or who knows what. <laughs> I don't know what's going to go in those conversations. I know the Giants were a finalist last time and they didn't even have the DH to offer. So um, I think the Giants are, are, are not a favorite. Um, but they are absolutely a realistic landing spot for Shohei Otani. And I think in order to have that realistic shot, they need to sit there in November or December and say, we're already a playoff team without you. We're yeah. already a playoff team without you. Come join us and help put us over the top. That, to me, is an absolute necessity, and that's why the urgency is now to make the playoffs. Yeah, I definitely agree. Again, I, I'm still staying on that this team should make the playoffs. I do think that would be a mass, that would definitely classify this season as a success. I don't even care if you win a series in the playoffs. Just at least show that you're making progress and getting there, because I think missing the playoffs four out of five years under Farhan, that's going to look really bad on him. That's going to be, again, another demerit on him. And again, I'm not saying that we're, we're working to the fire Farhan debate yet. We can get into that in one in a second, but the only other way I would consider this season a success, as again, my original uh, expectation was just make me feel better about this team. If this team does fade and they don't make the playoffs, but maybe, like, remember, you know, at the end of how last season ended, they really kind of made a run there in September and you know, they finished 500, and some people kind of brush off that September. But no, a team that was going nowhere, playing hard the last 28 games of the season, I think that's a positive. So if the Giants are out of the playoffs, but you see them kind of make a run in September that. Kind of, you know, remember we were saying, no, they're technically in it uh, at the end of last season. Right. Sure, like theoretically, mathematically, they were in it, but realistically, they weren't. If they go on a run with the young guys leading the way to where, you know, the last week of the year, they're still legally within the playoff hunt. Yeah, I might consider that a success based hmm. on kind of how they do it. Yeah. And again, that's that's one of those things we'll kind of see what happens when we get there. But there are ways, I think, for the season to be a success without a playoff appearance. It might just be a little bit harder to kind of achieve that level, that that, yeah. that status of success. My mind's in a different spot than yours, for sure. <laughs> I Like, I, I, I would... Uh, oh, I the would playoffs be, are still number one expectation. I'll agree with you on I that one. I would be very, very disappointed if this is a September of, let's take a look at the young guys. Yeah. But if Luciano hits 400 in September... Well, that'd be great. You'll be feeling a little bit better going into the long winter. Well, but that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great on an individual basis. But I, I'm still looking at it from the team perspective, and uh, they have set themselves up to be a playoff team. And, and so, uh, to be a success, they now need to follow through on that and finish it off. I absolutely agree with you. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Loman and Mark Willard pl- platooning in for uh, Joe Shasky this week. Make sure you're liking, reviewing, rating, subscribing, sharing and telling everybody about this podcast because we are the number one source of Giants content here in the Bay Area, part of the Odyssey Sports Network here on 95.7 The Game. Mark, seems like uh, every few months we got to go through this exercise where, as I said, the Farhan Wars, they're starting to rage. And it seems like just people are so quick to jump on Farhan Zaidi and just want him out. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a broad question, but Let's just kind of jump into it. Why do you think people are just so out on Farhan? I mean, before I let you answer, I just want to point out, since he got here uh, at before the 2019 season, the Giants are 352 and 301 under the stewardship of Farhan Zaidi. That's not including last night's game. That's uh, 653 total games. From 2015 to 2018, so since the Giants last won the World Series, they went 308 and 340. That's 648 games. So five more games, but it's basically the same number of games. Giants are clearly better now 
than they were in the four years prior to Farhan's arrival. Yet, you tell anybody that, on top of the fact that the farm system's better, and it just... It, it, in one ear and out the other. They mm-hmm. just don't care. Why do you think there's so much you know, fan vitriol to Farhan Zaidi? Because people don't like change. People don't like it? change. And this is a totally different deal. This is a totally different approach. Yeah. It's a totally different style. Um, and, you know, they're, the struggle to find a face of the organization is pinned on Farhan and I would actually argue, because if you look at faces of the Giants, there was Barry Bonds, who took everybody on all kinds of individual journeys, although the team journeys fell very short. Mm-hmm. And then there was Buster Posey, if you want to add in people like Bumgarner or Lincecum. But it was really Buster Posey who took people on less of an individual journey, but the greatest team journey that, that we've ever known. Um, and then you go, okay, how do you find a face? Bonds was acquired, but always felt like a favorite son. Yes. Buster Posey was homegrown. The idea of a face of the organization being plucked from the outside is actually pretty difficult. It can happen, but if you go around baseball and look at faces, um, most of them are players who are in some way kind of grown from within or have a a local attachment to to a fan base. So I would argue that while Farhan has fallen short on landing the free agent that everybody's waiting for him to get, the actual uh, culprit, the actual people to blame, if you will, that there is no face of the Giants right now are the people who were cultivating the farm system prior to Farhan getting here. Mm -hmm. Because there was nothing there. There was nothing to grow. Um, sure, they're, like I know that Luciano and some of these guys, but they were like they were teenagers. Luciano was signed in 2018, right? They two were, months before Sabian and Evans were shown the door, right? And they were, and, and and he was how old was he? What was he? Sixteen? I don't think. Yeah, he couldn't even drive yet, right? So, like the, the fact that they have not had anyone. I mean, who right now is the leader in the clubhouse? to be the homegrown face of the Giants. It's probably Patrick Bailey right Thank now. Thank you. I try, to, be... I try to pump up Logan Webb as being that guy. It doesn't seem like it's hitting well, yet. Well, it doesn't work as well when you're a starting pitcher. It you is need someone tough. who's out there every day, and he's in a leadership position, and Patrick Bailey's the right answer, and he was one of the first draft picks that Farhan made, and a controversial one at that because it flew in the face of Joey Bart, mm-hmm. and he was unequivocally correct. Yeah. Like, that <laughs> has already been totally, totally proven. I wonder so, how close he came to getting dealt yesterday. See, that was the one giant name. About that it. was the one name that popped up yeah. yesterday. I wonder how close, but no, I just yeah, yeah. I, I I look change. at it that it's just it's change. It's a very very different way of going about business. It has not been successful at the highest level yet. It has totally been more successful than what was happening before he got here and no one wants to hear that because they are hesitant to to see something that's different, especially when they're comparing it to a regime that was very, very successful. But you're right. They weren't successful for four to five years yeah. leading up to the switch. It, it fell apart. Yeah, they kind of ran out of their goodwill there. And 
I agree. You, you, you pop a good point here at the rip. The reason a lot of fans don't like Farhan is because he's different. He is different than how, you know, Sabian used to do things. Uh, Shasky always points out that one of the first moves that Sa Brian Sabian made was trading away Matt Williams and how that was the bold move that set the tone for Brian Sabian's tenure. That's a move you make when you have a guy like, I don't know, Barry Bonds on the roster. Like, people talk about, you know, the greatness of Sabian. I'm not trying to diminish Sabian, but... He had Barry Bonds to build around when he got here. That is like the ultimate cheat code to be able to have that. If Farhan had, say, I don't know, a Bryce Harper to build around or a Giancarlo Stanton to build around, you think things are probably a little bit different. That being said, the whole difference thing, that's kind of the point. I, the, the, the line I always point to uh, that Larry Bear said after 2018 was, we want a next-gen GM. And to me, that told me that Larry was looking around the landscape of Major League Baseball, and he saw that the way that teams were constructing themselves, the way that teams were trying to win baseball games was changing. You saw back in 2017, everyone was hitting home runs. You had, you know, random dudes who you never heard of hitting 20 home runs just by falling out of bed. But then, you know, you're like in 2018, you got the Giants where Gorkis Hernandez was their home run leader with 16. It just seemed like the Giants were playing baseball in rewind while the rest of Major League Baseball was moving forward. They were. And now I do think that the game is kind of shifting back away from that power centric uh, style that we saw from, you know, kind of 2016 to 2021. But that said, Larry wanted this team to take a different direction in how it constructed its baseball teams. So. Yeah, if things are different, it's because that is the point. That's not a Farhan thing. That's a what Larry wanted thing. And if the Giants do move off Farhan's ID, which they are not, <laughs> then you don't. It's not going to be like some Dave Dombrowski type who's going to come riding in on a white horse and wow. saving the day. It's going to be another kind of Farhan type who's going to come in and just pick up doing whatever Farhan was doing right now because that is what they wanted. I feel like another reason why uh, fans really get kind of irritated with Farhan is they call him arrogant. They think he kind of has this kind of talk down to you nature. I'm smarter than you. Is, I'm better at this than you. So and you, know, you hear this with Kyle Shanahan so a lot not. too. When Kyle Shanahan's like, oh, go watch that Buffalo Bills game and right. see what they do. I'm here to or, teach. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not here to, it's like, you know, yeah. it was, he was getting into that back and forth with Eric Branch the other day. It's like, oh, you worked four quarterbacks today. Oh, three quarterbacks yesterday. It's like, okay, smartass, you know what I mean. Right. Like there's that arrogance, that kind of smug factor there that I think rubs fans the wrong way. I, I mean... I don't know. Is, is that even fair to kind of? I, I guess I can understand why you might not like that, but does does it matter if 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 someone is arrogant or unlikable in this situation? Well, he's just not like, and I know that, that that fans don't get the opportunity to speak to the guy, but calling Farhan dismissive or arrogant above it is so not him. It's just not who he is. If you wanted to argue that Gabe Kapler was, I'd be much more open to hearing that. Mm -hmm. The guy who, uh, you know, looks like he's on the catwalk when he goes out there to make a pitching change. That he's just I can, better looking than all of us, though. Well, there, and that's just the that. reality. You know what I mean? <laughs> Although I'm going to get a hand tattoo, and we'll see if, see if it makes me look better. But I like, I if if that guy makes you feel like he's talking down to you, I would be more open to it than uh, than hearing that Farhan does that because he he is just not that way. It's like I said, 
they simply they have a philosophy and they stick to it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like the philosophy, but that's their philosophy. And as you just pointed out with the numbers, it it works more often than not. It works better than than what was happening before. And so that's why I've always been just such a huge supporter of him. And while people will take shots at him for not making bold moves, you can point back. Part of this is also when people look back on things, you forget the bad stuff a lot more than you 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 you. You do the good. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the bold moves that Brian Sabian and his regime made. Okay, but what about Zach Wheeler? What about Brian Reynolds? Or how about what, the AJ Przinsky trade? Right. What about <laughs> all the bold moves where it actually blew up in your damn face? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's been so every regime's gonna have good moves, bad moves. Farhan's moves have been way more good than than they have bad. So I I don't know. I I, I reject no, I, agree. I reject the premise. That, that this group does it in a we're above it way. You brought up Shanahan. What both the Giants and the 49ers do, we're going to do this in a way where we don't listen to the fans. Yeah. And I know that that might bother people, but good God, they're right. Teams yeah. should not be listening to the fans or us. No. When it comes to making decisions. Our job is to talk. If our job was to make the decisions, we'd be working in the front office, which Farhan, I'll send my resume just in case. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I agree with you there. But I think maybe one other thing that may, I think, maybe kind of turns fans off on, on Farhan and this regime is there is that obsession with data. And, you know, no, we always kind of think that we have this, we, Giants fans seem to have this misconception that Farhan is sitting at a desk typing, computer, what do I do? And then the computer says, you will bat Jock Peterson when Marco Luciano faces a righty. No, that's not exactly what's really going on there. And conversely, Bruce Bochy, remember, Thank he would you. kind of bristle at the idea that he's just out there thinking, all right, gut, what should we be right. doing today? No, he had his data sheet as well. They no, were he planning hates, out things. He hates the perception oh, yeah, they were that planning he just follows his gut. The, 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 one of the best stories I, in, that I like for the Giants is uh, 2010, that game six against the Phillies. They game planned that entire game out ahead of time using the data they had. So that was the decision to do. If Sanchez falls apart, they're going to go to Affel. Then Affel's going to try and bridge them to Linscom and Bumgarner in the later innings. And that's all done prior to the game. Bochy's not just sitting there in the dugout thinking, you know what? After AFL, I'm going to go to Bumgarner here. That's not how that works. There's far more planning here. Um, you guys had Alex Pavlovich on uh, your show yesterday. Yeah. And uh, he did say something that kind of struck me a little bit. And that is Farhan comes from the, uh, the A's and Dodgers school of thought of the postseason is a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. And that you build your team for the regular season. Whatever happens next happens. That to me is... I, I don't really agree with that sentiment there. Um, I know Billy Bean famously took that stance, and of course, Farhan's is a Billy Bean disciple. Uh, Dodgers have that kind of the same situation where they have great regular season teams when they fall apart in October. A's, same thing. Great regular season teams fall apart in October. Farhan's cut from that same cloth, and I wonder if Giants fans maybe don't respect that style of success because when well, you look at how the Giants won in 10, 12, and 14, those weren't really great regular season teams, but those teams I thought were absolutely built for October. Well, and they were built for October because of what? In my opinion, they had definition and effectiveness out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting that the Dodgers use that philosophy because they have stunk in the playoffs, and and maybe that's why. But I would argue it's actually much more simple than that. I've always wondered why the Dodgers don't prioritize their bullpen more. They've always got great starting pitching. Mm-hmm. They've always got an unbelievable lineup. But what wins in the postseason is a bullpen. 
and uh, and the Giants this year have a really good bullpen. Mm-hmm. They've got definition. You know who's coming in in certain situations um, all the time, just like they did in 10, 12, and 14 with the Affelts and the Javi Lopez's and the Romos and the Wilsons and Casillas and all that. Mm-hmm. So they've got that again this year, which is why I'm a little bit more optimistic about the way it's going to go. Um, it's an interesting concept, the idea that the regular season is what we, we plan for and then and the postseason is a crapshoot. Um, I don't mind it as long as you're prioritizing the bullpen because the Giants have shown they're going to be in all kinds of close games. Yeah. And to me, whoever's got the best bullpen is who's going to pull out the majority of those close games. Mm-hmm. Padres this year, look at their record in close games. It's terrible. Why? Because they're amazing everywhere but the bullpen. The bullpen. Yep. That's what that that's the key here. That's the magic elixir. That's why the Padres can't figure out. Our run differential's amazing, but we can't win the close games. Yeah, because you have a great lineup and you have a crappy bullpen. Giants are the other way around. So, before we get out of here, this this is already going to become our probably of our longest podcast. A lot of history on this podcast. This is going to be a long yeah. episode. First in-person episode, no. bringing you back. So much history being made on episode 69 no of this podcast. No one's ever called me short-winded. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, the last thing I want to say here is I want to put on our tinfoil hat here. I have this belief that it it slowly is becoming less conspiracy and more, I think, reality for me. And that is, it really feels like there is a sect of Giants fans who want to see Farhan fail just so they could say that they were right, that Farhan wasn't the guy. And I started thinking this uh, earlier this year at the start of the baseball season. We had David Sampson on the morning roast and... David Sampson, whenever he comes on, he's always been a, a very vocal defender of what the Giants are doing. Mm-hmm. I remember one time when I got him off the phone, I asked him one more question about Farhan. He's like, he told me, Sam, there are too many smart people within the Giants front office for the Giants to struggle for a long time. Yeah. And one thing he said when we had him on the show was there are a lot of fans out there that would rather be angry and right rather than happy and wrong. Yep. So we want to be angry. We want to say, Farhan isn't the guy. See, I told you he wasn't the guy. And it's like, there's almost like this desire to see the Giants fail just so that they can say, you see, I was right not to trust this guy. Totally. Do you feel like that? you see that too within the Giants fan Absolutely. base? Absolutely. And not even just the fan base for the Giants. I, hear, I see it in the whole Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I mean, I see it beyond that. That's social media. That's sports gambling. Um, people care now more about their fantasy teams than they do their real mm-hmm. teams because they want to be the ones in control and say, I was right. But I love that you brought this up because the Bay Area right now is literally, for me, the poster city about this. It is the poster city about this. Now, I'm a sports radio host, so I don't hate that fans are upset because fans being upset in many ways drives a lot of what we do. However, I will also clap back and say, I don't get it. I don't get it. It just you're makes on, no la- You're on the back end of a basketball dynasty. Your football team is one of the Super Bowl favorites again and has been to the NFC title game or better three times in the last four years. And your baseball team, um, while you sit there and go, there are no good players, well, boy, that sounds like a compliment to the front office and the manager to me because if there are no good players, how the hell do they have the third best record in the National League? Mad so you are sitting here watching a bunch of good happen, and you're pissed. Mm-hmm. 
No, but, it's on you. Yeah, no, it really it's is. on you. And I get if you you want this team to fail, maybe you want them to fail because you don't think they should have moved off uh, Sabian, Evans, and Bochi. Again, once upon a time, I would have said they were right to make that move. So there are times now where I like, you know what? Well, I see how the game's played today. Would I've liked to maybe I don't know maybe they should have gotten a chance. No one was saying that back then, so you can't go back and rewrite history. But to me, I just. Wanting your team to fail just to feel better about yourself makes no sense to me. If you want your team to lose to get a better draft pick, yeah, that's understandable because there's something constructive there. But this whole thing of just like, I need to feel better about myself so I hope this team fails, that really just that that defies logic to yeah, me. And it, it's it's like I said, like Yes, this was I don't I did not I would not give Farhan a passing grade for this deadline. I would give him an F and I do know there's whole you know, the whole thing of there's no good deal to make, but and again, I'll, I'll create an unrealistic expectation for Farhan. I want to have my cake and eat it too. I wanted him to go out, find someone, but not give up anyone I care about. It's a very tough needle to thread. When no one's but, available. Exactly. But I look at Farhan as he's like, yeah. if there's anyone who could do it, like again, this is the dude who got rid of Mark Melanson and his entire contract and got a player back in return, which still seems mind-boggling to me. It, it is. Like, that's, that's like Bob Myers turning a pile of slop into Andre Iguodala. Like, that's how big... Like When I see that, when I see a, a next-gen thinking move like that, you know, Farhan, he's creative. He's a smart guy. He can do creative deals. I wanted to see that at this deadline. And so, yeah, I'm very disappointed in Farhan, and I'm going to crush him for it because I really thought this he could have done better at this deadline. We're not firing Farhan. You know, I said this well, this morning when I signed off on the morning roast. Yeah, you know, as as Logan Roy said on Succession, you know, the, the fans who want Farhan fired, I love you, but you are not serious people. Like, come on. Correct. The, the Giants have a winning record under Farhan. The farm system is really good Way under bad. Farhan. I'm seeing takes on Twitter. The, the, the prospects are almost too good to trade, which is like a weird thing to say. But when you think about it, yeah, it makes sense. Matos is too good to move for a rental. Well, they're not Kyle Harrison, anymore. Carson Wisenhunt, those guys are too good to move for a rental. Yeah, you can't trade your prospects because they're not prospects anymore. They're on your team. Exactly. So they're if, starting tonight and <laughs> back exactly. in seventh or so whatever. If you fire Farhan with all that being said, what you're going to get is a team that everyone, you, you think that Farhan's ruining the Giants' reputation, but if you fire Farhan's ID, that's going to ruin the Giants' reputation because that's going to look like a dysfunctional team. Oh, God, it's a non-starter. So yeah. um, people can be mad at this. You can sound dismissive. Maybe I sound like I'm talking down to you. I don't mean that, but this is just the reality within baseball and the organization. If you're talking about firing Farhan, it's a non-starter, and you're having a conversation that nobody who actually knows what's going on is having. Yeah, no. And there's some sort of ism here. It's not racism. Maybe it is for a few people, mm. but there's some sort of... There's always of, a little bit of that. Well, th there's an ism going on here, and I don't know if it's analy analyticism. I don't know if that's what it is. You said something a second ago about you know the philosophies of the A's and the Dodgers. There's so many Giants fans running around with Dodger jealousy, and I wonder if y'all realize they're run the same way. Oh, yeah. That's why he was there. That's why he came from there. The, like, the Giants are not alone. Farhan being this poster child for laptops, iPads, and spreadsheets, this is how the teams in baseball are run. This is how they're all run. And and the Giants are, are maybe one of the teams at the forefront of that, as the Dodgers are. Oh, by the way, 
That's why those two names are usually right there near the top of the standings in the National Mm -hmm. League West. You know who's not doing a good job of it? The Colorado Rockies. That's a team that's like, let's save money and trade away Nolan Arenado, and then a year later give big money to Chris Bryant, who barely plays. You talk about not seeing a vision. That's not seeing a vision. That's how you screw up. You want to talk about a regime that doesn't know what they're doing? Go there. Don't go here because you got no evidence. Exactly. Anyway, so let's wrap that here. Uh, this has been a, a record-setting uh, episode here on the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. You know, I mean, again, Giants had a rough week, but you know what? Let's not focus on. Let's let's not elevate the negatives while diminishing the positives. Overall, I do believe that this organization is on a positive trend. They could still make the playoffs, and I do think they are very well set up to have a successful offseason. Maybe they do sign Shohei Otani. Maybe they don't. Personally, I don't think they will but I do believe there are going to be other options that will be available to them. We'll see what they do. This is Sam Lubman along here with Mark Willard here on episode 69 of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. We'll be back next week. Shafty will be back from vacation. I'm sure he will have lots of rational takes to say about this past week. Until then, we will see you on the next one. (laughs) See you.